0: Resilient and innovative. This podcast is your source for the latest information on the management, markets, research, and technology related to blueberry production. This is the business of blueberries. Here's your host, President of the U.S. High Bush Blueberry Council, Casey Cronquist.
1: Well, welcome back to another episode of The Business of Blueberries, the only podcast dedicated exclusively to blueberry industry. It's February, so I hope you all join me in celebrating American Heart Health Month. This is a great opportunity for all of us in the industry to promote this important health properties of blueberries. Throughout this month, USHBC will be sharing recipes, nutritional information, and other content to reinforce blueberries as a deliciously simple, snackable, and healthy option, this is the first of six power periods that are part of the Grab a Boost to Blue program that you've heard about in the last episode. Join us in this effort by downloading your free toolkit at ushbc.org forward slash resources. Well, it's hard to believe that we've done 32 episodes of this show and have yet to feature someone from Canada. We've had Jason Smith on the crop report, but other than that, we really haven't explored the blueberry industry north of the border until today. I'm very pleased to have on the show, Steve Phillips, Vice President of Operations at Berry Hill Foods. Steve, welcome to the podcast.
2: Yeah, no, it's great to be here. I, I guess uh, maybe because I'm the first Canadian, maybe you got to talk in our accent a little bit, like a little bit of a's here and there. Yeah,
1: yeah sure. Well, you know, it kind of takes me back to my opportunity to come up and visit you guys there last year, which obviously this year makes it a little bit more difficult, but uh, yeah. it was a great opportunity. I, I think I might've came back with a little bit of an accent.
2: Yeah, you should. It was good. I enjoyed you coming up here. It actually meant a lot to us that you guys took interest in what we do and um, came around, walked around, checked out what we're doing. And uh, yeah, no, it was it was great to have you guys.
1: Yeah, well, well, we'll definitely get up there again, but maybe this is a good opportunity for our audience to get to know who you are. And I think certainly for those of you who may not know Barry Hill, which was founded in 1994 in the heart of Fraser Valley in British Columbia, Canada, So maybe you could talk a little bit about your company and and then we kind of dive into your role there.
2: Yeah, so um, Burial Foods, yeah, like you said, they were founded in 94. Um, One of the founding members was my father, Tom Phillips, and his partner, Bill Whaley. They started the company up with the focus of Frozen. They had worked before the uh, BC Blueberry Co-op and it was a fresh, frozen cooperative. And they saw early on that, you know, there's some potential here to grow in this frozen. So why don't we start something, focus on frozen, do it right and see where it goes. And along with them came some great growers in Mike McCara, who most people know that have been around the NABC for long enough. Jimmy Gaskin, another great, great man uh, who has since passed and Harvey Smith, Jason Smith's dad. So Jason Smith is kind of in a looped in here too, a little bit. So uh, it's been great. We are located in the Fraser Valley, BC, Canada. So that If you guys don't know, it's right pretty much on the border of uh, Linden, Washington, Sumas, Washington. We take blueberries from both sides, actually. Blueberries and raspberries are our game. Uh, We do start with raspberries in the season, and then we move on to blueberries. And I've been doing it with Berry Hill for 25 years. And I think I know a little bit about blueberries, I I like to say, but
1: yeah. Well, and your particular company there, kind of in the heart, not too far down from where that Pacific Ag show was, where I spoke and invited to come participate in your annual Blueberry Day. But you guys have been there operating, working in that region with so many blueberry growers. And I got to see firsthand kind of your operation and how much you've invested. I mean, it's not a a small operation that you have there. Maybe you could talk a little bit about what it is that you guys do there at Berry Hill from an operational standpoint.
2: Yeah. So again, we focus on frozen. Uh, we take from about a hundred growers in the Fraser Valley and, and, and stateside. We have three different locations that we run out of each with um, IQF lines capability about 40,000 pounds an hour to run out of all our facilities. When we're going, we like to really focus on what we do. Like there's a lot of places out there and it's not wrong, but it's just what we've chose to do. Like some people are growers processors and fresh putter uppers, fresh packers. And um, we like to focus just on frozen. We got three state-of-the-art facilities. And when they're going, the adrenaline's running all summer long. And we like to just focus on that, do the best job we can. We got great customers. I like to think we have the best growers in, in our area that ship to us. And yeah, that's our focus.
1: Well, let's come back to this. We'll have more to dig in here about Canadian blueberries and the market there for frozen, but let's take a quick break for our crop report. As most listeners know, this time of year, we get weekly reports from important blueberry growing regions around Mexico, Peru, Chile. So here once again is your blueberry crop report.
0: It's time now for your blueberry crop report, an update on crop conditions and markets from important blueberry areas around the globe. Today, you'll hear from Juan Soria Morales in Mexico, Isabel Urrutia in Chile, and Luis Vegas in Peru. This was recorded on February third, twenty twenty-one.
3: This is Juan Soria from Aneveris, and I'm gonna give you the report of production of blueberries and exports for the week four. Uh, for this week's exports, we have seen an increase of around 20% with respect to the last week. For the fourth week of uh, 2021, we exported a total of 2,920,000 pounds. From this volume, a total of 2,780,000 pounds have been uh, shipped to the United States and Canada. Uh, the season till today, total Mexico exports are 36,121,000 pounds total. For the fifth week of 2021, we expect to have a similar volume of export and production, which will be around 3 million pounds. Thank you.
4: Hello everyone, I'm Isabel from iConsulting. I'm here on behalf of the Chilean Blueberry Committee and I'll give you the crop update of week four for Chile. I'll start to mention that 32.6 million pounds were exported during week three. In part, this volume was influenced by the delay of a ship that should have departed the previous week, but most of it corresponds to harvest of the week, setting an historical record for a weekly export volume. With this, the volume exceeds the ones of the previous season by 3%, reaching 196 million pounds exported so far. Of this total, North America has received 48% of the volumes. Regarding the harvest progress, the South Central Zone is focused on late varieties, while the South Zone is at the peak of volumes. This is the update of the week for Chile. Uh, Thank you very much for the opportunity.
5: Good morning everybody. This is Luis uh, from Pro Arándanos with Peru's weekly crop report up until the end of week 4. Uh, Peru has shipped a total of 350 million pounds worldwide. Uh, there's just a few companies shipping. Most companies have already finished their their season uh, and are already already pruning. Regarding our forecast for the season, we are at around 98% of the forecast for the season, so we are expecting to finish the season by the end of this month. Regarding the growth versus the previous season, Peru this this season has shipped 32% more volume versus last season. During week four, Peru shipped a total of 2.2 million pounds, a similar amount to last year. Uh, And yeah, we're expecting similar volumes compared to the previous season until we come to an end of the season. So that's the, the report from Peru.
1: Thank you so much to our colleagues from around Latin America who take the time to participate in these crack reports. I've received some great feedback from folks around our industry who really appreciate these reports coming in each week. So okay, let's get back to it, Steve. Uh, we talked a little bit there about Berry Hill in particular. I, I found it remarkable. There was one part where I was uh, standing in Canada and I was looking across the border into the United States, and other than somebody saying, you know, don't step over there, you wouldn't have known that this was a border that separated these growing regions. Maybe you could talk a little bit about how that culture is there for you at Berry Hill and how you're working, you know, cross borders to move the fruit around
2: it's it's unique because like you say it's it's an invisible line there's a road on one side and a road on the other side and the ditch is the line it's a stone throw like literally a stone throw for a bad baseball player and we have farmers that own on the one side and then across the line it's on the other side so when you talk about canadian and u.s soil it's the same soil like it's right there, and and we've worked so closely with the Americans down south that we don't even really consider it to be Canada, the U.S. They're just a grower of ours, and we're just gonna take your fruit, process it, get it to market, and push these berries, right?
1: Well, I, I found it fascinating because I think at one part of the conversation, the grower was sharing with me that even though he's got a farm on the U.S. side, he can't drive that tractor right across that invisible (laughs) line. He actually has to run that tractor through the border inspection station before he can go farm the Canadian side. And I just, it's remarkable. And I, I was impressed with just the relationship there that I know your company helps to foster in terms of that collaboration and working together on just bringing that fruit in and getting it through processing. One of the areas that I was inspired by, you know, you're part of uh, another generation. You talked about a lot of folks who have helped, you know, get Berry Hill started. And maybe you can just give our audience a little bit about your background, where you where you're coming from in this business, and what made you want to continue on in in the blueberry processing business.
2: Well, first of all, I got two brothers too, Mike and Tim, and they run alongside, and we run this company together uh, with my dad and. When we were younger, my dad worked at the BC Blueberry co-op and yeah, I, all I remember was he was just gone all summer. He was in berry mode and we'd go visit him there, and there was this like buzz about it when you went there. Like forklifts are flying around and berries are getting around everywhere. There's people all over and there's just this like adrenaline buzz in the heart of summertime. You kinda of have to be in it to understand it. But I just remember feeling this buzz. And as we got older, you know, we get through high school and, we, you know, every summer we'd work as we go. I actually remember times where we would go to work with mom and dad when they first started Berry Hill and we'd be sleeping on the office floor because they were running till all hours of the night. And that's just kind of how we grew up. And as we got older and we were able to work, we were putting labels on buckets and boxes and stacking flats and dumping flats and working our way all the way up, all the jobs in there. And, and I got to the end of high school and trying to make a decision on which way to go. And Berry Hill was just starting to like really evolve. And there's a really good opportunity here I felt. So I kind of stuck with it. And that's history. I started working with the growers and and working on farm safety and food safety. And we talked to our customers. So we kind of are the go between the customer and the grower. So we're taking what their requirements are and trying to put at the farm level and try to get these growers to be the best that they can in the industry so that we can market their fruit to the best customers and get them the best return. So that's kind of where I've come from. Um, you know, other side jobs working in cranberry fields around here and went and worked in a fish plant and that, you know, really quickly put me back into the berry industry. <laughs> 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 but yeah, other than that, you know, um, there is my father and and us three boys and we actually have my older boy mike his two daughters work for us now too, and they're you know working on the lines doing quality control so we got three generations under the roof now and i've got five kids and they all tell me they want to work at berry hill so yeah so uh, got something special we're, we're, being we're, built we're pushing through yeah it's good yeah
1: well and maybe you can connect that dot back to how now that you've been there intimately helping watch this operation grow and the management of the industry overall you know what's involved what 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 would you say from your perspective has been you know one of the most significant evolutions of the industry during the last 20 years
2: i would say mechanical harvest is definitely i mean a mechanical harvester is big money but the amount that labor costs nowadays it's just too hard you could not hand pick for the process market now you would have to have a machine so I would say mechanical harvesting, I would say varieties, the newer varieties that are coming out are helping, you know, not so many picks, better quality, higher grade, better returns. And in our area, and I believe down in the States from when I attend the USHBC, NEBC meetings, talking to all the people, there is another generation coming through. And, you know, they're very focused and some are very educated and they're taking what they've learned. From their past, and you know, applying it to to this crop, and there's a good future there, I believe.
1: Where does it evolve from here? Maybe you can talk about the Canadian industry specifically. Where do you see the blueberry industry evolving there in Canada? You know, from this point forward.
2: Um, like listening back to some of the past podcasts, uh, you had Danny Doyle on there, who's just a beauty. He's one of my favorites, and um, he said it right, and I, I I relate with him a lot when people start talking about frozen my ears perk up in my eyes, because I feel too, that that's where some growth needs to happen in this industry. You know, the volume that sits around is in the frozen, that's got to be looked at. And it's got to be looked at. And where can we promote this? You know, where can we get this going? Like, and we got to educate the consumers on how to use this product. You know, like, you shouldn't be taking a handful of Of fresh blueberries, mixing it with ice and making a smoothie, you should be grabbing some frozen blueberries and putting them in there without ice. You know, use more blueberries.
1: I mean, maybe you can speak to this. We saw some incredible movement, I think, to that end from consumers during the pandemic that, you know, really pushed a lot of fruit into, instead of your freezers, home freezers that, you know, helped drive consumption, you know, for those same reasons, whether it was shelf stable or uh, because, you know, that there was a, a clear connection being made by consumers about health and blueberries, but maybe you could talk a little bit about what you saw during this pandemic period.
2: Yeah, no, you nailed it. Um, As soon as the pandemic started, we were seeing volume just move out at an incredibly quick pace. And people were staying at home eating, people were trying to find something that can stick around for a while, and we saw that volume move quick. And you know what? When you were following these good programs like you guys do with with the Instagram and such, people who are on their tech more they're scrolling around and this stuff pops up and it's like, Oh, that looks like a nice, you know, peanut butter, blueberry toast for the morning. And they just start getting ideas. And I feel like at the beginning of the pandemic time kind of slowed down. I don't know if you guys felt it down there, but up here, it felt like time slowed down and you're able to kind of focus on that kind of stuff. Whereas, you know, when things are busy, you're just flying out the door, grabbing a sandwich or whatever. It's just fuel, you know, but I think, With the pandemic, people are able to stay home. They got more time. They're cooking. They're looking around ingredients, you know, this type of stuff. So,
1: I'm not one to admit that I made uh, any sourdough anything because, (laughs) but you know, clearly folks started thinking about what they could make themselves. And to the extent that I think you saw that, and we've been, you know, providing the industry, we immediately following the pandemic, we started basically producing Nielsen reports every week because nobody had real eyes on or appreciation of anything that had been Quite like this before, so providing those reports, both fresh and frozen, to the industry became a huge window into the behavior of consumers. Um, but I, I do think that you know what we ran into during that period was, uh, and I don't know. I say the words, you know, the frozen storage report, and you think
2: a number, like a comparison, you know, a trend. I don't volumes. hear the word
1: accuracy or <laughs> clarity or. It, you know.
2: It just depends how you look at it. That one, that one is a tricky one. I'm torn on that one. Um, I'll explain to you why I like the idea of having an accurate number to look at. I think it benefits customers. I think it benefits packers. I think it benefits the growers because now you have, you know, an A grade, a B grade, C grade, you know, organic, what's out there, what's available. I like that, you know, for promotion wise, how are we going to promote this? Well, what do we have? What are we promoting this year? Do we have a big area of B grade that we got to start pushing? Do we got to start pushing some dried? Like, what are we going to promote? I really like the idea of it. I do. You know, you add in Chile, Peru, Argentina, you get some good numbers in there. It, it sounds romantic, <laughs> but the reality of it is, it's, it's it's a tough one because getting people to give accurate data or give the data, like if it's a volunteer program, I don't think it's gonna. I don't know if it'll it'll work the way we want it to. It'd be nice if there was some meat and potatoes behind it and there was a way to get the data, you know, to a third party to distribute the data safely so that nobody's, you know, information is at stake, you know, stuff like that. It would be it would be really nice.
1: But in comparison but. to where things stand today, I think the frustration certainly has been, you know, hearing from industry stakeholders during this pandemic uh, recognizing that, you know, the cold storage report really didn't change like people expected it would. And that where we heard pain points within the industry was certainly around issues of A-grade or the ability to see inside cold storage, private or public, on what's in there. And I think you're, you're making that point that, that it's been, you know, difficult to really understand the market conditions when you can't see inside these these cold storage facilities.
2: Well there's a great demand for A grade fruit right now and that number on the cold storage report shows, you know, a, a pretty good number. But what is it? It makes me lead to believe that there's B grade in there. Because if it was all A grade, it would be getting gobbled up from from what I understand and what I hear from customers.
1: So from your perspective, Wave a wand, you get this instituted and you can see A B juice grade talk to me about how does that improve things from your perspective
2: i think it gives us a good idea of what we would try to pack that year you know like if we saw you know there was a tremendous amount of b grade we're going to make every effort to get our growers to keep the quality up and then you just you can sell it to them very easily you say hey you know there's a big demand for a grade this year there's a lot of b grade so make sure you're picking on time make sure you're doing all the practices right. Because if you can get into that A grade category, it's going to benefit you in your pocket, you know, and that's how we could use it at the grower level. And then at the customer level, we, you can know what you're selling to your customers. You know, you know what you're selling, you know what they're in demand of, you know what they're looking for and you know what's available.
1: But you see what I think may be the opportunity cutting both ways of, again, waving a wand, you know, the industry decides they want an opportunity like this for being able to collaborate and cooperate, distinctions between grades inside of cold storage. If that was even a possibility, what do you see as being the negatives that would come from a decision like this?
2: The negative is that how do you get everybody to be honest and, and put in the same information that, you know, that's the negative. I mean, you could you could say that if there was a big GLUT number in that report that it might drive the price down. I mean, that's what the theory is. But it could also give us the ability to market that fruit accordingly to what it is. You know, So it's kind of a double-edged sword, but I think that it would give us opportunities as well. So I, I don't see a ton of negatives in it, to be honest with you. It's just getting it is the difficult part. But I mean, I'm all for helping where I can to to make that happen, because I think it would be good for the industry.
1: Well, and I I guess maybe that's where we could go next in terms of opportunities for frozen going forward. I mean, we've seen what arguably is one of the biggest transformational periods for the frozen inventory due to a pandemic, you know, for a lot of other produce products have faced the same thing. But had this not happened, or because this has happened, where do you see the next opportunity for frozen going forward? What does that look like to you?
2: I think that frozen needs to be talked about more to the consumers and it's a tricky one because you know it's located in the ice cream row most of the time and you know when you talk about blueberries and the health halo that surrounds it people that are being health conscious that's the row that they don't want to go down <laughs> you know so i don't know if that has anything to do with it but how to use it where to use it the cost uh, effectiveness of it compared to fresh and you know, doing off fresh, like North America has their season in, in the summertime. We're pumping fresh, we're promoting fresh, but in that off season, that January, February, March, you know, when people are, are getting their health kicks going and, and all that, I think it's, it's a great opportunity to be pumping fresh promotions out there, recipes, information, where to get it, how to use it. And I think you guys are getting there. Like, I think when I look at your guys' platform, it's getting there, but I mean, there's just, just little things that you could do, I believe.
1: You know, you and I recently spoke because you became a licensee of the grab a boost a blue program, uh, February's heart, uh, health month, but March is uh, frozen food month. And we've got a power period that's dedicated here towards, you know, including all these things that you're talking about that people can find online for resources, but just the idea that, you know, we're going to continue to champion, uh, the processed blueberry and the frozen blueberry business so that, you know, people recognize what we see coming out of the pandemic is a real affinity towards that accessibility to the fruit from a shelf stable standpoint. But getting back to your experience with USHBC, when did you start getting involved in in attending our meetings?
2: Oh, it would have been, my first meeting was Westlake. Uh, I don't remember which year it was, but, um, you know, becoming on the coattails of uh, my dad and Bill Whaley, who Bill was right there from the inception of the USHBC and ABC. You know, you hear the stories about you know all the great characters you got down there and who's doing what for the industry, and it's always been so positive that relationship between Canada and the U.S. in growing this blueberry industry, and it's always been just you know, so positive. So when I finally got the opportunity to go to these meetings, I was just kind of like, my eyes were open, I was walking in there. And, you know, I was with um, Sid grower, Gaskin Farms, and he was kind of just showing me all the people in the Hutu. So I was talking to, you know, Denny Doyle, and, and Mark and, and all the guys, and, and everyone's just so inviting, you know, everyone was just so accepting. And I'm still learning, like, I'll talk to Denny, and we'll have great conversations. And And John Shelford has always been so good sharing his information and kind of leading us along. And he's taught me a lot. So, yeah, I think um, when it comes to our two industries, we're so linked with so many reasons. Like I say, we're right on the border, right? We're so close. And the TV that you watch is the same TV that we watch. A working together relationship is so important for us. I mean, what programs are you guys running down there? You know, should we hop on board? Should we be running a a parallel program up here? So, you know, saving resources, you know, we're going to work on this program. Maybe you guys should work on that program. Really working together to maximize who we reach out to with both industries. And so, yeah, just showing up, being involved. There's great people. And you know what? You guys do such a good job with putting the meetings together and the locations and you know, the dinners and the speeches and the meetings, you know, Mandy does a great job. It's just fun to be a part of. It's a part of the job that I look forward to where I can say, yeah, you know what I'm leaving for five days. We're going to go down, see the NABC meetings. And it's something I I enjoy doing looking forward to those coming back to be honest.
1: As we kind of round things out here, I guess I kind of have two questions for you, you know, because you've got a big stake in what happens next in this business, not just for you and your brothers, but your entire family, the kids that you have coming along interested in this business. But is there something you're expecting to see or wanting to see in the business of blueberries changing or moving forward? What's something that you hope that this industry is going to accomplish in the years ahead?
2: It's a little bit tough because it's already accomplished so much good, right? And you're at that point where we've grown so much and that's a tough one. I, I'm i excited to see, and again, because I'm from the frozen sector, I'm excited to see what legs we can grow in this frozen sector. Because I think that the number of pounds per person that people will consume of blueberries, it's, it's going to go up a frozen. I believe it. Um, when you talk about, preservatives and all that stuff that people are health conscious about now frozen blueberries they're just frozen you know what's the ingredients it's frozen blueberries That's it, you know with all the good work that's being done and between our two countries and and I think that it's got a lot of potential I'm I'm excited to be honest with you I'm excited to see my kids come up and try their hand at it and see how they enjoy it and um, yeah have all the great people that I've met along the way meet my kids and start that next chapter, and who knows where it'll go. But definitely optimistic.
1: Well, it's been great to have you, you know, I think give us some perspective from your vantage point there in Canada, certainly from Berry Hill on the frozen side. But I, I really enjoyed this conversation to kind of unpacking, you know, that generational secession planning that I know a lot of agriculture goes through, in particular, our industry, blueberries is is going to be going through as well. And And, you know, we've done a great job. Driving awareness for blueberries, but it's going to take this next generation of people like yourself to commit to the evolution of the industry to experience another wave of success. And so, I look forward to working with you. and And I don't know if there's anything else you want to add before we let you go.
2: I just want to say, um, I think Mike Height said it: the next wave, it's going to need everybody focused on the same vision. And if you know, as Canadians, the U.S., as the North American blueberry group. If we all have the same vision and the same direction, I feel like we can grow this thing again, like our predecessors have. And I think that would do them proud. And I think we owe it to them because they've done a big job to get us where we are today.
1: Well said. Well, Steve, thank you for joining us on the show today. Really appreciate your time.
2: My pleasure. Thanks, Casey.
1: Great chat with Steve. Some of the takeaways from me in this episode that are, are top of mind are certainly starting with, you know, his family. You know, we talk about family a lot on this podcast, but I think it was a great example of where, you know, you saw his father and mother and, and, and a number of others who, you know, invested in this business, but then, you know, to see where Steve and his brothers, Mike and Tim are today participating in the company and and just the vision that he has as a father and certainly in the legacy that, you know, has been handed over to him here in this transition is so important. I know it's a lot of things that others who listen to the show can relate to in this business on succession planning and just the fact that there is another generation that's just as excited about getting into this business and thinking through where the opportunities lie as we go ahead from here. So that vanishing point, we talk a lot about it. We talk a lot about the opportunities, obviously inspiring possibilities as being a real mantra for the vision ahead for our organization. But I, I really enjoyed hearing it from Steve's perspective. You know, The other thing that he addressed that I, I think is important to note is just how interconnected this industry has been and how interconnected it's going to need to be as we move forward into what I think everybody universally appreciates about the future, which is needing to drive demand. And so Steve's perspective was just recognizing the relationships he's built over the years. You know, he talked about Denny Doyle, certainly John Shelford and the Frozen deal, but just that, you know, it has been this collective, interconnected push to try and get more people to buy more blueberries more often. And, and I think that has been a theme that we've discussed on this podcast many times, but just the connection that we see across the border with our partners there and in case Barry Hill and Steve's family, uh, just really working together best we can to put these blueberries in the hands to more people. So I thought that was a great connection and, and the different facets that are all directly connected to what we're trying to do here. So that's it for episode 33. What are the big questions on your mind about the blueberry industry? We'd like to find answers on this podcast. Feel free to email me anytime with suggestions for topics or guests. So thank you for listening. We'll be back. Next week, with more innovation, collaboration, family, and hard work, right here on the business of blueberries. Well, I could see us uh, hosting a great event, of course, but everybody wearing their Canadian jutes. Tooks. Eh? <laughs> Tooks.
2: <Tukes>. Oh, <laughs> not uh, a beanie. Cannot... They call them a toque in Canada.
1: Tooks. <laughs> oh, we'd have to get a bunch of uh, grab a boost toques.
2: Yeah, there you go. To wear.